Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I'm your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Jennifer Blau. Jennifer has been involved in animal welfare since she was a child. It began with becoming a vegetarian and participating in protests with her grandmother. As an adult, she worked for several years in animal shelters. She has had a variety of positions, everything from animal care attendant to animal control officer. Her current role as a psychotherapist allows her to help animals by working directly with the people that care for them. She specializes in pet loss and compassion fatigue. She's so passionate about spreading the word about compassion, fatigue, and animal welfare that she wrote a book that has just been released called To Save a Starfish, a Compassion Fatigue Workbook for the Animal Welfare Warrior. She also presents compassion fatigue workshops to animal welfare organizations and veterinary clinics. Jennifer, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much, Stacey. I'm I'm really honored to be here. So you have a great deep background and obviously a very progressive grandmother who really (laughs) brought you out there early in your age, I would assume, when you were young. Um, Absolutely. My daughter became a vegetarian around the age of four or five, if you can imagine that. Wow. But can you tell me a little bit more detail about how you got started? Absolutely. So it really did begin with grandma. She opened my eyes to animal welfare. We had learned very early on that you do not go to a pet store to get an animal you adopt from a shelter. And I also learned early on from her what hamburger really was. And I loved animals. And so around the age of maybe 10 or 11, I stopped eating meat and really started to begin to research what was going on with factory farming. And, you know, that led to a, to a host of other things, you know, what happens to animals in the circus and what, what happens to animals in shelters and pet over population. And all these topics really just became a passion of mine. And then as I got older, I became a vegan. And, and then a couple of years later, I got my first job working in an animal shelter. And it's, it's um, kind of progressed from there. I experienced compassion fatigue several times in my life. And I've burned out and I've bounced back several times. And it wasn't until several years ago when my uh, parrot, Albert, died. I was beyond devastated, and I felt very alone. And when I finally came out of this kind of really dark place that I had gone to, you know, I said, there's got to be some resources for people that are feeling this way. And so I actually went back to grad school and became a, a psychotherapist. And now I specialize both in pet loss and compassion fatigue. And my, my passion is really working with people that are on the front lines right now, that rescue animals um, and, and trying to help them through their own grief and their own compassion fatigue. So I'd like to kind of dive in deep a little bit here. When you did hit those low points, who did you turn to for help? Well, that's that's an interesting question. At first, I didn't turn to anyone. I did not become aware that this even had a name until I went back to grad school. 
And that kind of tells you how little that we are really talking about this in the animal welfare industry. When I was going through this in my early 20s, I thought, well, there's something wrong with me. I'm weak. I Maybe I have a mental illness. I can't handle this. I'm not strong enough. And I think a lot of people feel that way. They feel alone. They feel like if they admit there's something wrong, that means that they can't hack this. They're not strong enough. And it wasn't, like I said, until I went back to grad school and, and learned um, that therapists can suffer from compassion fatigue. I went, aha, I made the connection. I said, my God, that's what I've been going through all these years in animal welfare. Now, my husband is an absolutely amazing sense of support for me. He not only understands my lifestyle, you know, my vegan lifestyle, my animal rescue lifestyle, but he has embraced it. And there are times when I just will come up to him and start crying and say, you know, I just, I just need you to hold me. Mm. And, and, and he knows, he knows that, okay, compassion fatigue is flaring up again. We can talk about it. We can just sit here and cuddle. <laughs> you know, he really, he really gets it. And, and he's a great person to turn to. And everyone really needs someone to turn to. And if it's not a family member who understands, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a professional therapist. But I really want people to know you're not alone. You're not weak. You know, this, this isn't a disease. It's not a mental illness. It's, it's normal. And you sort of referenced compassion fatigue in a way of saying, oh, you're having a flare-up. So in our industry, would it be safe to say this is not something that ever fully goes away? Yeah, I do believe believe so. Um, You know, you have to think of compassion fatigue kind of, it's not a dichotomous issue. It's not a black or white thing. It's not like, oh, I have it or I don't. There's degrees. There's this huge gray area. There's times when I, when my compassion fatigue is kind of in the on the back burner. You know, I'm functioning. I'm I'm fine. And then there are times it flares up and it rears its ugly head and it's boom. It's right there in the forefront. And so as long as I'm involved in this kind of work, no, it it, it doesn't go away. It's it's really about managing it. The thing is, is the more you have compassion fatigue it means you're doing your job really well. It means you really care. But it also can take its toll if you're not handling the elements of self-care that you need to do in order to keep yourself strong. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think self-care, you know, that's something that we in this industry um, really struggle with. You know, I think a lot of us we're drawn to this type of thing because we are uh, what's called other directed. We are very much focused on the population we serve. So in your case, in your audience case, you're, you're really focused on the cat population. And so it's difficult to sometimes turn that focus around and put it back on yourself. I know when I was involved, really heavily involved in animal rescue, I felt guilty when I took time for myself, you know, I felt guilty if I took a vacation or even a night out because I felt that, well, that was time away from helping animals. And what I didn't realize is that that time away, that self-care, that's recharging your batteries so you can get back out there and help. And, and you have to recharge your batteries. I mean, you wouldn't drive your car on, a, on an empty gas tank. It's the same thing. You got to refuel. And also, we become better thinkers 
when mm-hmm. we step away. And I found that when I was way too deep and heavily into the trenches, I definitely wasn't as focused or efficient and as helpful to my coworkers either. I just wasn't, I wasn't a, a good team member. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, you know, compassion fatigue, there, there are a variety of symptoms. Trouble concentrating is definitely one of them. You know, lack of focus, trouble making decisions. I mean, there's so many different kind of symptoms um, that people can experience. It's not it's not a one size fits all kind of thing. You know, it's not like depression where there's this set of symptoms and this criteria that you have to meet. It's really just this variety of symptoms, and it can be emotional, physical, spiritual, socially. I mean, compassion fatigue can touch every single area of your life if you don't learn how to manage it. And it can wear itself in in different ways. In our pre-interview conversation, I was talking about the worry of even with the feral cat colonies in New England here, you know, we'll get two or three feet of snow. And I know when we were managing colonies in the Newburyport waterfront, we get a big cold snap with a lot of snow. And I would definitely be extremely worried about the well-being of those cats out on the waterfront. And then you go through the whole, like, am I doing the right thing? Are we really helping them? Are they okay? You know, is this the right model to be helping cats? And you start second guessing yourself, even though this is the home that these cats have had. They were, you know, between 10 and 15 years of age at that point in time. But I'm like, they're old, they're getting arthritic. Is the winter going to be okay for them? You know, and I wasn't even the intimate feeder. I mean, we had 30 other volunteers feeding these cats daily. So they knew them, they knew their faces, they knew their eyes. They, I mean, the worry that I was even feeling was probably on a much smaller scale than what the people who are closer guardians of these cats were. And I'm thinking, oh, how do they handle that? It's it's so hard with community cats because we want to control, but we can't control because the cats want something. And we, you know, it's like, it's this hard balancing act as to what's the perfect balance. And and that can make you very anxious too. Oh, most definitely. And, you know, I think you you really hit the, the nail on the head when you said it's, it's a balancing act. It really is. And, you know, you mentioned lying awake in the middle of the night worrying about these cats. And I uh, Honestly, that's something that that I sometimes struggle with too. If I if I'm not managing uh, my compassion fatigue, the thing is, is you know, animal rescue workers and 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 those that care for animals, we do not have a nine to five job. We do not clock out and then go home and stop thinking about this. Oftentimes, we go home and we have our own cats, our own pets that we take care of. We sometimes are involved in, um, you know, maybe we sign petitions or we go to protests or so we're very involved kind of 24 seven. It never turns off. And that is something that can also lead to compassion fatigue is, is the fact that we are always sort of on call. And that includes that lying awake at three o'clock in the morning because there's a snowstorm out and, and you're worrying about all those cats out there. And that is definitely a, a sign of compassion fatigue is, you know, it can affect your sleep. It can, you know, you have these intrusive thoughts or sometimes even when you're sleeping, you can have these nightmares about, you know, what's happening to these babies out there um, and the elements and if they're safe. And if, like you said, if, if you're doing the right thing, And I think the thing you have to remember um, when you start questioning 
if you're doing the right thing or gosh, am I doing enough? You know, my husband, who is my, my biggest champion said to me, and this is something that I try to remember all the time. He says, you know what, Jen, you do more for animals in one day than most people do in a lifetime. And that keeps me going. Yeah. And it helps to understand that, you know, you can't be all things to all people. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Ready to make a big difference for cats in your community? We've got an exciting opportunity that can jumpstart your efforts. The Community Cats Podcast has launched Community Cats Grants. When you qualify for this innovative program, you'll gain valuable knowledge about how to raise funds for your spay-neuter efforts. Plus, we'll match the funds you raise up to $1,000, doubling your ability to make a difference for cats. Fundraising doesn't have to be scary. We'll be with you every step of the way. Check it out. You can find all of the details on the Community Cats podcast website under our education menu. Let's join forces to make the world a better place for community cats. You have put together a workbook called To Save a Starfish, a Compassion Fatigue Workbook for the Animal Welfare Warrior. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how you got it started? Absolutely. Um, This is a project that I started last summer. Um, Again, I I didn't really, well, I, I experienced compassion fatigue, but I didn't really know that there was a name for it and how widespread it was until I uh, started studying psychology in grad school. And so, um, you know, my professors and my husband, everyone knew that I had a book in me, um, except me, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, until last summer. And I and I started this project, and I really wanted to start to spread the word uh, about compassion fatigue. Um, you know, I saw it in myself, my coworkers, my friends, and I wanted to basically, you know, like just just get the word out that you are not alone. You you are not flawed. You are not weak. This is not a, a character flaw. And so there were not a whole lot of resources out there. There's a lot of resources for other helping professions, um, such as the nursing industry is where compassion fatigue basically got its roots. But there's not a whole lot there in the animal welfare field. And so I wanted to create a workbook for people, everyone from animal rescuers to shelter workers to veterinarians to uh, ethical vegans, you know, any type of animal welfare warrior is what I call them. If you don't mind, I want to tell you a little bit about how I titled the book. I'm sure a lot of your audience members are familiar with the starfish story, but for those of you who are not, I'd like to read you just a short little story. And this, this is another thing that keeps me going. And this is the starfish story. An old man was walking along the beach when he noticed a young woman off in the distance. As he got closer, he noticed that the woman was collecting starfish that had washed up on the beach and tossing them one by one back in the ocean. Excuse me, young lady, but what are you doing, the old man asks. All these starfish have been washed up by the tide. If I don't throw them back, they will die, she replied. But there are hundreds and hundreds of starfish on the beach, the old man said. You can't possibly make a difference. The young woman listened politely, bent down, picked up another starfish, and tossed it in the ocean. She looked at the old man and replied, it made a difference for that one. And I think that's what it's all about. You know, we, I think we struggle with, I'm not doing enough. For everyone I save, there's hundreds more that need me. It makes a difference. 
Every single one, it makes a difference. For each individual life, focus on one one by one. And one of my recent uh, blog posts, I actually asked the question, what is a community? And a community can be three or four cats in someone's backyard. It can be neighborhood. It can be a family. It can be a municipal whole urban area, but you can really make a community the size that you need it to be in order to be able to make your impacts and make the difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything you do makes an impact. And that's what we need to keep in mind. So I'm going to take a step uh, back into compassion fatigue and not that we're familiar with any specific cases, but if you were somebody that was really feeling like they were hit, hitting the wall, so to speak, and really having a hard time functioning due to compassion fatigue, what would be your top three or five steps of action to be able to either through self-care or the help of others to be able to help yourself? Sure. Well, what we know from research uh, so far is there are a, a few things that are really effective at managing compassion fatigue. And the first one is going to be that self-care. And that's probably the one thing that people <laughs> are going to struggle with the most. To be honest, I, I have to force myself sometimes with, you know, a little push from my husband, you, you know, you need to get out of the house and go do something fun. He will throw me out of the house and say, you know, get together with your girlfriends, go do something fun. You, you need to focus on you. And that's hard. It, you know, it really is. Um, and, and I get that. But you need to kind of think of, okay, what nourishes me physically? What nourishes me emotionally? What nourishes me spiritually and socially? It can be as, as simple as going to a movie and watching a comedy. You know, uh, some people say that when you lose your sense of humor, that's, that's the first sign that you're struggling with compassion fatigue. And so you really need to just take breaks, recharge that battery and, and find out really what nourishes your soul. Get a massage, get together with friends. And then uh, the second thing is going to be a support system. You know, I mentioned my husband. I also have a couple friends that really get me and, and allow me to talk about some painful things. You know, things like euthanasia and some of the things that we see, you know, some abuse and neglect uh, stories that we hear about, Sometimes people don't want to hear about these things, right? Sometimes family and friend, friends, they just, they don't get it. Well, speaking of community, if you can find a community of people, whether it's coworkers or other volunteers that can, you can turn to in times of need, and if you don't have anyone or you need more support, you know, I, I'd really encourage your listeners to seek out professional help. If not dealt with properly, compassion fatigue can turn into clinical depression. And I will say that we need to take this seriously. We have lost in recent years uh, a couple veterinarians due to suicide. Yeah. One in six veterinarians has contemplated suicide. And animal control officers have the number one suicide rate of all the professions up there with, with police officers and firefighters. So we've got to start talking about this. If it's gotten that bad where you're thinking of suicide, you, you need to take action. You need to reach out. There's nothing wrong with you. It's, it's Again, I know I've said this before, this is not your fault. This is just, it, it's a consequence of caring too much. 
there have been a couple of instances where I've known of folks that have been running nonprofits, grassroots nonprofits, and they have taken their own lives. And it's caused a huge, I mean, it's just a huge project afterwards. And it's just extremely emotional and unfortunate. And lots of whys are asked out there and all that kind of stuff. It's tough. It's very tough. So the more we can do to help everyone in the field be able to manage the stresses that we deal with is um, extremely important. But Jennifer, folks are interested in finding you or finding out how to get your workbook. How would they do that? Absolutely. Uh, people can reach me at my email, which is jennifer at deepwatermichigan.com. You can check out my website, which is deepwatermichigan.com. And the book is now available on Amazon, including um, as well as the UK and Europe, Amazon.com. And again, my website, deepwatermichigan.com. Great. We'll get those um, links in the show notes too. And Jennifer, is there anything else you'd want to share with our listeners today? Yeah, I, I think I've said this before, but but again, I just want to reiterate, if you are struggling with this, you're not alone. The best of us, <laughs> the best of us get compassion fatigue. It's, it's something that's just kind of inherent in this, in this field, as in all the helping professionals. And you're not alone. You're not weak. You're not crazy. <laughs> you're normal. And, and this, again, it's just, it's just a normal consequence. And please reach out. If you think you need help, reach out and get some help. That's great advice. Jennifer, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show. And I hope you'll agree to be on the show in the future. I would be honored. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 